welcome to Emerald Coast Baseball Academy's YouTube channel. Today I have Rod Tafoya on for an interview. We spent about an hour or so last night discussing life and his book. So here we go. This is the interview. I apologize for the quality of the video. He was in a very bad Wi-Fi spot and uh, we'll try to get that cleaned up next time. So thank you and I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm here with Rod Tafoya, aka the Ageless Arm. Rod, welcome to a little chat here on Emerald Coast Baseball Academy's YouTube channel. Um, Rod, I've played with you a couple years. I've known you for about three years now. Um, take me through a little history of your career and how you, um, how, and what makes you special. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get you on here and, and for you to be my first guest on, on the channel. Um, I, you've done a lot for me personally, and I feel like you've got a great story to tell, and I want to help get this information out there for everybody. All right. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. And to answer your question, I started out at Newman University, Wichita, Kansas. Played there in 1986. The year before that, I played in Wichita, Kansas. I played with uh, a lot of future, back then, future big leaguers. And that was kind of one of the big college hubs in college baseball, the NBC World Series in Wichita. So from there, in 86, I finished my four years uh, eligibility uh, at Newman. So then with no takers in the MLB draft, I went ahead and uh, ventured out to Mexico in Puerto Vallarta Dolphins, 1986. Played in the Winter League there. And uh, I was lucky enough to win 10 games and be purchased by the Mexico City Red Devils of the AAA League. So I spent uh, a lot of time in Mexico year-round. I played winter and summer. And like you, I tried to find a, a job anywhere I could. So I got my first crack at baseball in the U.S., playing in the Northwest League. Mal Fitchman signed me to a contract in short A-ball with the Boise Hawks. So I played there, followed by 1990, I played in the New York Penn League with the Erie Sailors. So I played against some really good players, Mike Piazza, Carlos Delgado, Tim Salmon, to name a few. And I've just been playing as much baseball as I can for love of the game. This is my fourth decade. I'm gonna be, uh, well, I just turned 50. I'll be 51 next summer. I've been signed to the Alpine Cowboys of Pecos League with Ryan, Ryan, uh, my coach, Ryan Stevens. Yeah, so anyway, it's getting a little kind of late over here. So. I understand. <laughs> to your question, the reason I'm still pitching is, you know, four decades and 70,000 pitches later with the left arm is my ability to throw strikes as a left-hander. You know, I pride myself not necessarily on strikeouts, but no walks. I'm a control specialist. I'm a strike throw. And when you can throw 70 to 80% strikes in a nine-inning game, you know, you're going to usually win. I, I patterned myself after Jamie Moyer and Tom Glavin. I, I really liked what those guys did in their careers, and I tried to pattern myself and be a strike thrower. And then, of course, uh, lots of passion. When you have passion, it uh, allows you to continue in the game for as long as I have. I agree. I agree. Uh, Rod, you helped me get down to uh, Mexico myself for a minor league experience with that, your general manager, Alfredo uh, um, Peralta. That experience for me was just treasured, and, and uh, I feel like you're trying to do the right thing by bridging the gap and try to send more quality ball players down there. I got a lot of questions of people were worried about where I was and that, and you actually... I think we figured out when I was going to go down there probably in about, what, two days, maybe? Two, three days? Um, two days prior in March, March 21st. Yeah, and, and that's when we kind of figured it all out and, and, and got up and went. And, that, and you went down there with me, and, and uh, you hadn't seen me throw in a little while. And I had changed my workout routine up. I really liked where I'm at. I'm continuing that routine now. Matter of fact, uh, one of the uh, guys that really helped me He's a strength, uh, strength coach and, and specializes in baseball and other sports. He'll probably be on the channel also um, uh, sometime later on. But uh, 
So you, you said you're 50 years old, which is absolutely outstanding. Um, let me ask you this, Rod. Any major arm injury? You know, the only arm injury, I'm not sure it was considered major, but the only arm injury I had was in 1990. And it was my mistake. I had just finished the 89 season with Boise with a really good 3.26 ERA with 47 punch outs and 40, 47 innings, 14 walks. And I figured I was good enough to continue to play pro baseball. And Mal Fitchwin was kind enough to send me with him to Erie in the New York Penn League. So I thought I'd get a little extra work in, so I decided to go to Esquinapa, which is near Mazatlan in Mexico, and I played winter ball there. And I remember I faced Lemmy Miller, who had played for the Dodgers and the Albuquerque Dukes and the PCL, and I was trying to show off with, uh, you know, I had two strikes on him, and I really wanted to strike this guy out. So I uncorked uh, a slider, and the slider pulled a ligament off my elbow. They call it an avulsion. Other than that, that's my only injury I've had in four decades and 70,000 pitches. Uh, the bad thing is I took the cast. The cast was removed a little prematurely. And, you know, when you're not really healed, it doesn't work out. So I, I think I had uh, three starts in the New York Penn League, and I lost, I lost to uh, a team out of Canada with the Cardinals. And then I lost to Carlos Delgado and the St. Kate's Blue Jays. But I had beat the, the Jamestown Expos in my first start. So I went one and one and two, but I had like a 12 ERA, so I was released the, the third start. You did not have any surgery, surgery to fix the, the elbow issue or just no, rest? And I've never had any elbow issues ever since, and I think... I altered my delivery to where I'm using more, uh, more of my shoulder and less of my elbow. So um, I don't ever feel anything out of my elbow since then. So that's been, you know, 20, 24 years. And uh, I've had some tiny rotator cuffs, but those have all healed. And I think that the main thing that I kind of messed up my rotator the last time was in uh, 2009. I threw 222 pitches in Puerto Rico in one day, and I won't be doing that anymore, but that was kind of my, my final warning to, to behave and, and not do it anymore. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. I remember going to a tournament with you in Orlando, and you threw 12 innings in one day, which is still it's, that. You threw six innings in the morning. And I swear you were throwing harder when you threw another six inning at that night. And I just sat there and felt like a weak young little boy watching a grown man go out and throw twice in one day. And not only throw twice in one day, but throw better the second time. So that, that baffled me. And I, and I really liked it that you brought that up about your mechanics and your delivery and stuff. And I, I keep hearing things from experts and see on TV and other guys, and they talk about how uh, guys need rest. You'll see you'll see surgeons or other people say kids need to rest their arms and do this and do that and and in my personal opinion I don't I don't feel like guys throw enough and then I feel like that there's a big difference between pitching and throwing and I and I I personally I, I'd like to get your take on that because I can personally tell when I don't throw enough and uh, when I say I don't throw enough when I don't prepare enough for Season. Um, I broke my personal record uh, for innings in a year, and I did a lot of preparation uh, from last year. Uh, I really didn't even stop throwing, uh, and I'm mean throwing as in you know work, real work, getting sweat, stretching out. So, and and you've been doing it this way for 24 years, right? Something like that. And so that makes me think, you know, the human body is amazing, and so. Can you take me along what your regimen is so, you know, the kids at home can see, you know, when people say downtime or rest, there's a difference between an injury and, and recovery and throwing. What, what are your thoughts? Um, do you feel like, let's start off with the first question, your, your throwing routine, what do you feel like keeps you strong 
24 years of age. Or 24 years of professional pitching. <laughs> yeah, 50 years of age and 7,000 pitches behind me. Yeah. I think the main thing is obviously keeping your body in shape. You know, I'm one that I can work out with the best of them. And the regimen includes getting up at four in the morning and doing road work. You know, every day I do five miles every morning. I, I got up this morning at four and by five I hit the pavement and did uh, three miles before work before most people are even up. And I think that's one of the main reasons why, uh, why I can still pick. There's a couple things uh, of thought when it comes to pitching. You have Tom House, you have Nolan Ryan, and then you have Dr. Jamie Andrews. And they all have a lot to say about pitching and how many pitches a pitcher should pitch. I'm with Dr. Jamie Andrews in the 85 pitch count in Little League. I think what he's saying is that when you play one sport, it's not a good thing for your arm because pitching is, is it's not an easy arm action. You know, I think underarm is, is what, where it should be, you know, like softball. So I think when, when kids play one sport, they're going to probably get hurt in time. So what they're saying is, what I'm reading now is that kids that play multiple sports, you know, football, there's a different arm angle when you throw a football, soccer, uh, running, basketball, you're using lots of joints and different arm angles on, on, on your arm when you throw, et cetera, et cetera. So that seems to be the thought process nowadays. Now, I'm a little bit more old school. Nolan Ryan, he always trains his pitchers to throw, throw, and throw more. It's kind of like the Japanese. You know, they like to throw and build arm strength. When I was a kid, I think the reason why I can still throw 70,000 pitches at 50 years old, you know, all that behind me, I think the reason is when I was a young kid, I threw and threw and threw and threw some more. So what that did, what that did is it built up all my tiny fibrous muscles as a kid. So the more I threw, the stronger the muscles came out. And I think through all that time period from you know the mid-70s when I was in Little League to when I got to high school and college, and then when I really figured out how to pitch in my 30s, I think my shoulder is really strong. And I think that's how I've maintained a good arm strength to throw that many years and still be able to pitch at 50. And I think that, with the combination of learning the strike zone and good mechanics, you know, like you said, the body is remarkable in what it can do. I'm living proof. You are. You are. I'm, ex I, I'm very excited to put that out there uh, because I'm actually, personally, I'm, I'm with all three guys there. I, I think that I think Mr. Dr. Andrews has a, a great point about competitive uh, uh, throwing, but I do not agree completely about shutting it down. I, I, I don't disagree with the multiple sports and stuff like that. Knowing the, personally my elasticity with my arm and my arm, and then with you doing lessons with guys, and I do lessons with, with young guys. I, I, lessons, I did a lesson with a guy who was getting ready to go off to college. Um, and I can, I can personally tell when a kid um, has that elasticity and, and is able to, to bounce back. And I think that's where in this debate of information that's going out there, there's the issue, is that people are misconstruing competitive game throwing with long toss or side throwing and, and not listening to your body. I mean, I'll give you an example. I've got a 14-year-old a kid who just turned 14. He has been clocked in the lower 80s. And, I, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. But he can even personally tell now that we've talked about being aware of your arm. When he doesn't throw, he loses his mechanics. He, he starts to be sore more often and stuff like that. And that's uh, one thing when, when I was talking to you when, when we were playing together and since we've known each other is, is uh, you've been a big guy. And I know uh, uh, the 
especially with being around you, is that you've been a big guy on ice and recovery and listening to your body and doing what you're supposed to do and not pushing yourself beyond that point where an injury can happen. And I think that's the part where Nolan Ryan comes in, like we were talking about, where he's saying guys don't grow enough. And I think people are misconstruing that word grow because how often, even let's say you had some talk about football where guys are playing, there's only one quarterback on one team playing at one time, as okay. opposed to, you know, anybody on the baseball field can throw a baseball at one time, and you might have multiple pitchers. And so I think that's where you, you run into some issues there, and you don't throw a baseball 100% out of the gate, you don't throw a baseball 100% every time. Uh, like you were, you were talking about earlier, you uncorked the slider, had an issue with your elbow, and, and that, that happens. And, you know, we've all wanted to reach back, and, and especially, you know, guys trying to compete and throw that extra pitch. So I agree with you and, and with, with everybody. I'm, I'm on your path. I If I don't throw after a while, I personally uh, I get a little angry, and and, uh, and if I don't get it done, I don't get it done. And so that, that, that bothers me. Let me make a point. I really love the long toss. I think the long toss has really helped my career. I know that Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox were big proponents of long toss, and I think that has really, really helped me. Another thing that help, has helped me, I'm going to put a little plug, there's a GNC product that I've used that is called Joint. It has glucosamine, chondroitin, fish oil, you kind of turned me on to fish oil when we were down in Mexico and even before that. And I'll tell you what, at 50 years old, when you have your joints lubed and well lubed, it's like a well oiled machine. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I, big on fish oil. I like to throw every week. Again, I'm 50. Back in the day when I was your age, I could throw every four days, you know, every five days is scheduled. But at 50, I think once a week, complete nine-inning game. Again, that's another thing that I pride myself besides the no walks and a good uh, strike-to-ball ratio of 70 to 80%, but complete game, nine innings. That is my mantra. I love to throw nine, and I love to, to show anyone up that, that wants to go, uh, you know, mano y mano with me on the mound. It doesn't matter if you're... 20 or 30 or 40, I'm going nine. So, you know, if you're not going to go nine, it's going to take just to keep up. That's one thing I, I pride myself on. Yeah, but I, you, you, you had a phrase when I was when I was playing with you that I kind of latched onto, and it was uh, it took me a while to figure out exactly where you were going with that. But at, over the years, I figured you, you used to say out pitch the other pitcher, and I used to think that that was uh, stuff kind of thing, like uh, had better stuff than the other guy, but it, what, it, what it meant, to, in my interpretation, was to uh, literally out-pitch him in the length of the game. Uh, if, you can, if you can last longer in the game than the other starting pitcher, um, you're going to help your team win, or at least put your, your, your uh, place in it, in, it, in it to get the decision, uh, at which you, that's what you, you, you brought upon me over the years. Getting a decision at all, one, it's hard, and, and um, you know, it's it's easy to chalk up, you know, unfortunately by the rules of the game, uh, you know, chalking up losses is much easier than chalking up a win. Uh, right. You just want to stay in the game as long as you can to allow your team a chance to win. I agree. I agree. Now, Rod, um, your... Uh, You've done some things in front of me that I've always kind of turned my head a little bit, but I it's and you've always stayed true to it, and I've and I've always respected you on that part. Um, can you give me? I want, I want to ask your opinion on a couple of things. If you were to give, let's say you had a young left-hander right there, and you were to give him one thing that you could that you could help advance his game tomorrow. Do you have anything on hand that you could give him right now that that you would feel like? Uh, would help him in a, in a game? Learn the strike zone. Learn how to throw strikes anytime in the count, anytime. I think 
if you can be a really consistent strike thrower in the game, regardless if it's little league, regardless if it's high school, pro ball, strike throwers, it seems like they, they stick around for a long time. It really, it's years, really. Huh? 24 years or so? Until <laughs> they're 50. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now um, we're talking about lessons and stuff also. Um, I'll, I'll be touching on this subject a lot also. Now, can you give advice to the father of this young left-handed? It's something that may help him, uh, help both of them in their, in their uh, relationship. That's a wonderful question. Push, but don't push too hard. There's a difference between pushing and, and, you know, really getting on their nerves pushing. Another thing is arm preparation, arm preservation. I think a lot of times, you know, I think I'm a big proponent of ice. I, I don't know about you and, and everybody else, but I've stuck around the ice job with, with the big bucket full of ice water. And I just, uh, you know, I just plunge the arm right in and, and I do it for like 25 minutes until that thing's just, you know, rock hard. And uh, it works for me. I started back in like 1980. So do the math. That's, you know, 34 years ago. And it works for me. It, it has preserved my arm. It has worked for the shoulder. It has worked for the elbow, forearm, etc. And then, of course, you got to put in the road work. But I think, as a as a parent, you know, keep them in check with a good attitude. Um, I, this is this is real key. Sometimes it's not early on about winning. You know, you you find a lot of these these teams that that. Uh, you know, they go travel, the traveling teams, and, you know, you pay a lot of money, and, you know, there's two sides to that, but I think what those do is they kind of, they kind of make the league worse because they take all the best players, and another thing is some of those kids, you know, you can only play nine, nine of them at a time, so someone's always going to have to sit the bench, and, um, you know, I think playing is, is great. But I think as a kid, you got to be a kid too. I mean, you know, it, I think they're right on playing those multiple sports and, and being a kid and letting the arm and the body grow and, and mature a little bit. But uh, I think as kids, some, some of them are, are going a little too far. I mean, you know, I, I was a kid and I, I loved baseball, but I played all the other sports too. Okay. Well, I'll go ahead and give an example. In my area, the area that we are here, our rec leagues are actually being disbanded because of travel teams. I actually run a travel organization also. But what I'm seeing in it is the, uh, and what I'm trying to do is like what we're talking about is, is we're actually using seasons um, where the spring is more of a competitive tournament-like situation. But I'm not letting guys throw multiple days, which you see all the time. And I can't, I, I'll, I'll see a kid come in and, and throw cheese the first day, you know, on a, on a Saturday at like 9 a.m. And then I'll see that same kid the next day in the championship game throwing six innings. And personally, I don't like throwing back-to-back days. I enjoyed being a starter. If I was a reliever, it would be different. And I know that, uh, I, personally, I think the pitch count around 20 to 25 is when you need, after that, you need another day to rest. And that's where I disagree with the Little League thing of the 85 pitch rule and everything. Because I think if a kid's throwing once a week, I think I think they should just completely change that to where if you're doing the right thing, you have to be full educated. The kid could throw 100 pitches in one week, but he had to wait a full week to throw another 100 pitches. And that's where you get in this weird thing. You see it on Little League that's coming up. you got a kid that throws 19 pitches and comes back two days later, throws 19, you know, just under again. And that's, that's not what I think the game's supposed to be about. Well, I have a dear friend out of Albuquerque. She's a fellow banker. And believe it or not, she's on the board of Little League Baseball in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And she sits right next to Dr. Jamie Andrews at the board meetings. So I got to be real careful on that because I don't want to burn any bridges, especially in my home hometown. <laughs> but I think they're onto something, and I think they've they've made it a rule, and the rule's going to stick around. And you're going to see because again, 
Dr. D- Jamie Andrews knows firsthand because he's the guy that's performing the surgeries on these little 11 and 12-year-olds. Yeah. So when there's an abundance of that happening in the world, you know, maybe it's time to to do something about it, and they have, and that's the 85-pitch rule. I, I think that's probably the only thing right now that we know that's going to work. I don't disagree with it when it's going to change the game, but I can say in this area of Florida that we're, we're running into – you know, I've had many of guys, the kids that I do lessons with, that play on other teams, and I try to preach to the, the dads and say, please don't let this guy throw more than one time in the weekend. You know, if you're throwing every Saturday or if you're the Sunday guy, I don't see a problem with that at all. You know, but like you're saying, you've got to be a kid, you have to play other positions. And, you know, I try to limit my teams to 10 or 11 guys, so people aren't sitting out a lot. You know, and if there's a guy that's a Sunday guy, he's probably going to sit on Saturday more because somebody else is and we'll get from there. And, and development, I think, is, is probably the one of the most important things at that point, learning how to play the game the right way and the safe way. So I have a question for you. This is a great conversation because a lot of people are going to, you know, there's going to be pros and cons. But I think most of the people in general will understand and, and side with us on the 85 rule. Now, what do you think about Major League Baseball this year specifically? There have been over 20 major league arms that have gone down to Tommy John surgery. And, and you pointed a, a big fact a minute ago when we started the interview, and you said, rest. You know, I think a lot of these guys in, in the big league level, you have to go every four or five days between starts. And that's not easy. It hurts. It hurts. I and mean, you're making big million dollar money it's it's not easy when your turn comes you know you have to be spot on and 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 be ready to go it's just your job and that's the expectation but i think they're not getting enough rest for what they're doing to their bodies i i agree um, i think actually one of the biggest things i'll, I'll go I'll, I'll perfectly come the league that i played in with you we played 70 games in 72 days um that's hard to do i mean I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're on a four-man rotation. You're not getting an off day unless it's rain out. We're in the desert in New Mexico. And you're not throwing rain out. innings. And you're already throwing 100 innings. Yeah. That's a- exactly, exactly. And uh, when I was down in Mexico, the thing that I really liked is that there was a Monday off day every week. So we played six games a week. And that's actually how it is in a lot of international baseball. Monday is an off day. It extends everything. The only time you run into an issue on a five-man rotation is when you're a Tuesday starter. Your next start would actually be on Sunday. Um, I, I did that. Four, I think I did it four times um, this year. I did not like it. Uh, I, my body and my recovery time was completely different. But I tell you what, all my other days that were into that, I felt so fresh compared to everything else. Um, so. Taking that information and going both sides of it, and actually one of my most recent starts, I had to go on short rest. I went on three days rest and, and uh, went into it, which happened multiple times when I played with you too. When you're in a playoff hunt, sometimes you got to go to short rest. Uh, I honestly don't understand why guys or teams haven't experimented with this of going to a six-man rotation. I think that if you go to a six-man because everybody one extra day. Now, before I can see an issue with it, but nowadays with this 40-man roster rule, you have a triple-A and normally just filled with flame throwers. And I feel like teams are not able to move guys up and down like they should and take advantage of it. But then again, the same thing. It's hard to get six starters. It's hard to have six guys that you can trust and go out there and pitch. But I think there's too many guys nowadays that are playing and you'll see teams freaking out, losing guys to Tommy John or shoulder injuries. And um, Tommy John's a whole elbow issue. You and I both had similar elbow problems. Mine was actually uh, uh, much worse. But um, I, 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 I personally, you know, uh, I'm 28. I enjoyed having that extra two days. And I really felt fresh every time I went to pitch, except for those times where I had to go on normal major league rest. Um, that's that's something I'd like to see teams even try. And if you think about it, if you go out there and, and 
you go out there and you throw strikes and you do your job, you know, uh, some guys may or may not last, but if you're on better rest, I think that you would have more guys throwing longer in the game if everybody was more fresh. And that's an idea that, that's been on the, on my head a little bit. Um, and I don't, and, and I'm not a, the, the expert on it. That's just my personal view of seeing uh, and me calculating, okay, if we were on a six-man rotation, we were in the show and we had no days off, this would be my normal day anyway. You know what I mean? So that was something interesting I thought that, that, that could be an idea. I, I don't see why people, why not try it? I mean, if, if you're down, you know, you're not going to make the playoffs. we got teams like, like Boston that are just fire sailing guys. What, what's it hurt to try something new? You know, I mean, what, what was it, 84 or 81 or something like that when the DH came out? Everybody thought that was going to be the most ridiculous thing in the world. And I think we're, what, what's the, ne- the next uh, bargaining agreement from like two or three years? I think we're two or three years away from a DH in both leagues. Yeah, I mean, it's. I agree. I think, uh, you know, my, my whole career, I was a number five starter. So the number five starter, that's what they always wanted the lefty for, number five starter. And that worked for me. It gave me enough rest mm-hmm. in the week. And, you know, a six, six-man rotation, I'm just not sure you can find a good six-man rotation. I think, you know, you get two or three really good starters in a rotation, and then the other guys are kind of kind of iffy, you know. It's, it's just the way it is. But I think as far as uh, preservation of, of pitchers' arms, you know, with Tommy John, et cetera, I think you're on to something. You could definitely develop in there. It's just interesting when we move back four or five decades, when there were a lot of great pitchers. Warren Spahn, I had the pleasure of meeting him. Uh, you know, I'm that old. I met him back in Wichita in 1985, and uh, you know, Warren Spahn's gone now. But I spoke with him, and I, I actually met Bob Feller, and those two Hall of Famers were great pitchers. They threw on like a four-man rotation, and these guys went nine. I remember there was a game with Warren Spahn and Juan Marichal. There's actually a book on it recently uh, published, but they went like 14, 15 innings, 228 pitches, 225 pitches. And it was just like, you know, the better man win. Who's going to fall first, you know? It's the way the old days were, Satchel Page, you know. There's some great pitchers, but they were they were tough guys. I, I agree. I, I I don't personally know how they did it, and I'd love to talk to them to find out. But I do. I would say, if I had to formulate an opinion, I would say at that time frame, I don't think guys were throwing every pitch how they're pitching now. Now, I would say they were definitely a lot more crafty. They were a lot more likely to throw something. 60 to 70 percent effort as opposed to nowadays that's where people are saying 100 pitches because every pitch i'd say maybe a a, a get me over curveball or even a quality changeup you're only throwing that thing at 70 percent i mean i could feel like i could throw changeups every time but if you're going out there throwing fastballs and trying to live in the 90s which is what they're trying to do and now i've even heard 90s not even the number anymore 92 is the number now that's what that's what they're looking for and that's where I'm going with that six-man rotation. I think they're trying to develop guys. Uh, you see them all the time. I mean, this year's the most I've ever seen guys throwing close to 100, 97, 100, 97, 100. And you just see guys, they're just so short-lived. But you look at certain guys, Jamie Moyer, for example, Rod Foya, for example, who don't throw 90, who go out and pitch and manage the game and try to control damage and, and do what they can. And, and they don't exactly – have arm issues, 24 years old, one issue, and you were able to work through it. I mean, no surgeries. I unfortunately had two surgeries. The difference is a pitcher versus a thrower. And for me, I'm definitely a pitcher. I like to pitch. And some of those guys throw, throw the ball, but, you know, it's a different game now. It's a different game, and they're bigger and stronger and faster and it's beautiful to watch. You know, I watched uh, Greg Kimbrell last night come out of the bullpen and 
you know, his first pitch is 98. And it's just like, wow, I, I'm watching this kid, Descanses, or what, what, what's his name from the Yankees? He's, uh, he's a 24-year-old kid, and he's breaking 100. He was throwing 97, 98. They gave him three days rest out of the pen, and he comes in and throws 100 miles an hour on three straight pitches. That's just, that's just nuts. For me, and that, that gets to a very sensitive part of the game, where especially in affiliated ball and as opposed to the independent ball that you and I play, um, it's a cutthroat business. And at certain levels, uh, it's obvious. You hear it all the time from affiliated guys. This guy's got money. He's going to get more of a shot than another guy. And I, I honestly don't know if anybody knows about the whole money situation. But you look at inflation and how things have gone, and, and it's real hard to break into the business. I personally there. I'd love to get a shot. Uh, but the level of, you know, when I went and played in, in Mexico, when you got me there uh, this past season, um, you know, plenty of guys that I think had affiliated experience and told me, you know, hey, it was great. Let me make a point. You do have the right stuff to make it. I've seen you pitch. I saw your bullpen along with thousands of other people that was, witnessed it, and it was great. I think it's just a break. It's kind of like, you know, actors in movies, you know. You know, they all they all have a certain certain touch to everything, but you know, you're a tall guy, you throw hard, you throw well, your heart and your mind are in the right place, you have passion, you're willing to do whatever you got to do to go make a club, and I think that that bodes well for you. And and I think uh knowing what I know about you you just keep pushing and you keep plugging away and you never you never give up on that dream and that, that passion and you keep going but you know here's what I here's what I see every year you've gone up and and you saw what it was like to play in the American Association yeah. and you did it and you did it you know had you stayed in there longer you would have had better results but I think you can pitch in those higher leagues. I think you can pitch in the major leagues. And I don't think you should ever stop because, um, you know, if you have it in your heart and you have that passion, and I know you work hard. You know, there's there's so many guys like us that work hard, and there's so many that just don't want to work hard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I tip my hat off to you because uh, we share the same passion. We really do. And you know what? Next year, you'll be back in the American Association. I know you will. We'll see how we'll see how things go. I mean, you know, I can only hope that I could uh, pitch uh, 24 running years myself. Uh, being being hurt, it took me. I actually missed three years not playing, and it was a very hard time to figure out. Once I got back in, I'm rehooked again, um, and that's just that's you know that's what happens when you, when you run into the competitive part of the game that that will that will you know it makes you it may almost makes you not want to be a starter. Sometimes. You want to come out the next day, especially after a really good outing. You go out there and dominate a day. Now your body's saying everything, something else. Your body's saying, "Hey, do a little recovery, do some rest, you get some extended sleep." Um, and, but your mind is yeah, your your endorphins run forever. And, and so I, I, I was ex I was excited to share the field of battle and become friends with you and, and you know uh, um, exchanging information. That's the whole purpose of this channel is because I hear so many things. I get a lot of questions from ads and people and kids going into the perfect game thing. And, you know, we'll get into all the whole tournament stuff. Um, in, in getting away, you know, from high school seasons and, and how things are going, we'll, we'll get, all, get to all that maybe at another time. Um, but I do want to jump into something. Um, you referenced uh, a book earlier. Uh, you have a book. You, you are an author. You yeah, I mean, is there anything you haven't done? I mean, you could possibly be the renaissance man of pitching. You played professional ball at 50. I mean, I think I didn't do a Google search, but I could. I, Jamie Moyer, anybody else? I, I can't really think of any. I mean, that's an elite club. I mean, I don't. It doesn't matter if it's a if it's a dollar or if it's a hundred dollars. You're being paid to play a game. That's that's special. But you, you have a book. Can you tell us about it and? where people can get it, and give me a small little summary about it. Sure. 
thank you for, for all you've said, all the nice things you've said about me. I really appreciate it. My book is my first book. Uh, it was published in 2012, in February of 2012. It's called Ageless Arm. My passion lives in the core. And so the thank you for, for saying such nice things about me. I really appreciate it. So the book that I that I had published was in 19, uh, actually in 2012 in February, entitled Ageless Arm, My Passion Lives in the Core. And the true meaning of the book is the core, you know, the inside, the passion, where it all comes from, your parents, up, and you see a little nest egg inside, and uh, take that little rubber ball out, and you replace it with the heart. That's kind of the meaning of the core, and the core is what we're doing right now, you and I. We share this passion for pitching and a love for baseball, and everybody has a love, but some don't have a love as deep as you and I have it. It's it's really deep. It's it's more of a little obsession, you know. And uh, I know you have it because I know you're married to a beautiful woman, and she allows you to travel the world to pursue your dream. Thing. And I, 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 I truly admire it. I admire the story of what you've done. But the book has been been a great seller. And I think what it's doing is it it's inspires people. And uh, it kind of tells people not to ever quit their dreams and to maybe find a passion. It doesn't matter how old you are, you know, young or old. But we all should have a passion in life because I think that's what life is. It's if you have a passion and you share a love for something, you're willing to, to do whatever you can to, to do well in it and, and, and to pursue your dreams and, and, and make your heart feel good. And, and that's what it is. Uh, last week, I was fortunate enough to get a call from my author speaking volumes and they gave me a second contract for a second book. And the book is now entitled inside the core the passion lives on so that'll be uh due to the publisher in november and it'll be out in spring of 2015 so i'm working hard on that right now and you know i've got a new story with with alpine and you know what i'm not ending anytime soon <laughs> that's good to hear uh where can uh where can everybody see uh online can they get it on amazon they just need to search uh Go ahead. You can get it on Amazon.com. You can get it through the publisher, speakingvolumes.com. You can get it on agelessarm.com, which is my website. And, uh, you know, it's, it's in Europe. It's in UK. It's, uh, it's all over the place. So I uh, found it in India. found it in Germany. So... Um, you know, I'm really proud of the book, and, and uh, I'm proud of the message that it has inside inside the core. Well, you're definitely an inspirational story. I mean, if, if people can't go out and not have not be inspired by a guy who's been pitching professionally for 24 years and going, and had a, basically we could say a minor arm injury, and uh, you know, and hasn't stopped since. I mean. I'm just, I'm very impressed with you and your body of work, and a uh, pleasure to meet you, and, and I'm excited for you to just keep on going. Think of if I hadn't come back after that arm injury, you know, there's 300 wins that never happened in amateur ranks, and, you know, I had 94 before I got injured, so that's 394. I put a personal goal myself to get another 100 amateur wins at maybe 10 a year for 10 years, and that'll put me at uh, right around 496, and then I'll have just a few more to catch old Cy Young at 511. <laughs> That's an outstanding, outstanding number. Yeah, you, um, you and I, we played in a tournament down in Orlando, and, and man, I tell you what, see all the guys play the game and watch you go out there, it was, it was an honor to, to watch you go out there and do your thing. Uh, I do want to touch on another subject um, before we go. You talked about throwing strikes to young guys. Um, can you take me through some or some of your sequences? Or, first of all, tell everybody uh, what your pitches are, and I will go ahead and vouch for you. Um, 
you throw in the low 80s still, which is absolutely outstanding. Um, when you pitched uh, last season, when I saw you throw, uh, when you started against the team that I was playing for, you were easily 82 to 83 and did a great job elevating on guys. You know, I, I, tried to, I tried to warn our team. I said, look, this, you know, hey, this is what he's going to do. Don't buy it. I mean, he's going to move it up and down, in and out. You've got to wait for him, but you're not going to outlast him. And we had guys up there, you know, trying to tell me, oh, he's old. He's not going to last. I'm like, no, this is a different breed. He's, he's going to be out there. for." And I told him the story. I said, in the offseason, the guy threw 12 innings in one day. He's only been up for one night. And it's, it's not hot. It's, it's Santa Fe, New Mexico. People don't know. It's about 6,700 feet above sea level. It was about 70, 70 degrees out. You weren't getting tired. And you absolutely competed in that game. So take, can you take me through what pitches you throw? And then let's just say you were facing, uh, uh, um, who did you mention earlier? Uh, uh, Let me help you. Let me help you. Yeah. Okay. So real quick, I want to share a real quick story before I go back in time to that. We were playing in Alpine for the championship against Santa Fe last week. And I was venturing off to the other dugout to pass through their, their, their dugout to look for my manager. I wanted him to sign a bat for me. And uh, some tall guy came over. His name was uh, Kozel. He was the catcher and the current uh, reigning MVP of the Pecos League. He hit over 400 and did a remarkable job again this year. And congratulations to Mr. Kozel for that. But he came up to me and not knowing who he was right offhand, he came and he said, hey, uh, you're Rod? And I said, yeah. And I said, who are you? And he goes, uh, Eric Kozel. He said, uh, I just wanted to shake your hand. And I said, wow, really? He goes, yeah, I, I uh, really appreciate everything you've done for the game. And I just wanted to meet you and shake your hand. And I said, wow, that, that's really nice of you. So, you know, we, we shook hands and... And he said, yeah, and you kind of shoved it up my butt last year, and uh, I'll never forget that. And I thought, wow, he was on the team. He was. I remember. You know, you said 82 to 83. You know, I, I think it was a little bit harder because I'm not going to strike out nine of your guys, including the uh, reigning MVP on 82, 83, Jamie Moyer stuff. Well, all right? I, know, I know how to poke. Okay. I'm going to climb that number to maybe 85, topping out at 86, because there's no way I was going to strike out. You know what? I've, I've won all those games on two pitches. I, I really don't have a, a changeup because it really isn't that good of a pitch, so I don't even really bother to throw it. But I throw a – honestly, I throw a cross-the-seam fastball, you know, whether it's 82 or 85. That's what I do, and – However I, I grip it, it seems to move, and I can get it to move, you know, by changing the horseshoe grip, whether it's this way or whether it's this way. And for whatever reason, I can get it to move in, and I can get it to move out. And regardless of how I do it, you know, whether it's the, the uh, angle, the angle of the, of the, of the pitch, but whatever, I'm getting it to, to screw on some lefties in, and I get it to run away. And then I throw a, a, uh, a slider pitch. And, you know, the slider, I've got calluses on, on my fingers from throwing it. Um, it's a tough pitch, but I've learned to control it really well. And if I can get it, you know, to touch a little bit of the inside of the plate and then to end at the end... Uh, of the plate to a lefty, great pitch, especially on uh, two strikes. I'll even throw it on 3-2. I'm not afraid to go slider 3-2, 2-2, 3-1, I don't care what the count is. Um, I don't care what the naysayers say because they say don't throw these pitches on certain counts. But you know what? After you've thrown 70,000 pitches and, and you have a, a good idea of where it's going and have a good idea of control, I'll throw it 30, 31, 32. It doesn't matter. You can ask your buddy, Mr. Maxwell. You can ask Maxwell on 3-2 what got him looking. You know, he was looking for a fastball, and I didn't throw him a fastball. I threw him a 3-2 slider. 
So with that said, I've done all that on two pitches, but I think more more than the pitches, it's the location. And a lot of times I'm, I'm okay with elevating, especially to a lefty ahead in the count. You know, if I have two strikes, I'm going to elevate, and usually I'll get a strikeout. And I think that's what I did with the Fuego with the nine strikeouts and no walks. I elevated, I went down, I went away, elevated, I went slider low. You know, I, I kind of threw everything a la Jamie Moy. And, and I think it bodes well for what I do. And, and like you said, unexpected. I think they were just totally unexpected with whatever it was that came at them. You know, I don't know what the perspective is and how it looks, but the results were what I, what I was looking for. Another thing that bodes well for me is that aggressive bulldog approach. You know, I'm not going to give in to a hitter. I don't care if it's, you know, the guy's hitting 400 or whatever. I had to come in. My only appearance with Alpine, I had to come in and face uh, a kid from the Fuego, and he was hitting 461. And, you know, my coach didn't think I, I knew that. He, he didn't think I, I was aware of that situation. Well, lo and behold, I had scouted the Fuego for 12 straight nights prior to my one batter. And uh, I faced, uh, his name's Billinger, and I faced him, and I knew, you know, I had 11 pages of notes. And, you know, 11 pages of notes for one at bat, I came out the victor on this one. You know, I threw him three pitches. And uh, I threw him a slider, and he grounded out. And that was my appearance for this year. And, you know, whether people know it or not, that's all it took for, for me to be happy and on top of the world. One batter, three pitches, you know. Uh, I, I love the game, and I'm, I'm willing to do whatever I have to do to, to help my team, you know, win or whatever it is, you know, inspire or whatever. But... You know, I have nothing but respect for all those guys, you know, and if I can compete on that same level, I'm excited. But, you know, I'm a bulldog and I'm going to go after them. And it's kind of like you say, they're looking for something. They're maybe like, you know, he's going to throw off speed stuff, 82, 83. But in my mind, I'm going to go after you inside, outside, up, down, low, you know, come under your chin. You know, I'm not afraid to do any of that stuff. I was excited to hear about that myself. You traveled through the social networking world that you were able to get in and take care of a hitter there in the playoffs. My phone. Okay. Well, Rod, I think I think we're almost at about an hour. It's okay, I'm coming back to reality now. <laughs> uh, well, Rod, I, I, uh, once again, uh, it was uh, ageofarm.com, right? Where people can see this stuff. Awesome. Correct. Um, uh, and check out your, your book uh, for everybody out there. It's a great read. Uh, personally, I've, I've, I got knocked out a, a few chapters uh, when I was able to uh, be over at your house one night. I, I uh, knocked it out. And, and uh, you know, for all the young guys out there that, that are, are, you said it earlier, you're an inspiration to the game. And
and uh, I'm always excited to watch you throw and watch. I love to see people underestimate you. I feel like I get underestimated myself as a pitcher, and and uh, I'm not a flashy, super flashy guy. But it, it always I, I just love to I like to watch good baseball and pitch competitive games, and I've seen you throw too many games now to where you just go out there and like you said you dominate, and you said you have the bulldog attitude, and I, I want to touch on that and see if we have the same. Uh, opinion about this. Uh, bulldog attitude does not mean to go out there and just pump fastball after fastball. I, I personally think that it means going out there and attacking a hitter, uh, and whether it be a, a uh, uh, any kind of flaw that you can pick up. Um, do you agree with that philosophy? I agree with that philosophy. Um, my bulldog approach is I'm not going to give in. And I got that from Tom Glavin just being in five games as a, a starter for the Braves. And Bulldog, to me, is – I'll give you a good example. Example: Last uh, three weeks ago, I was pitching and uh, pitching in my amateur league, and I was cruising with a, with a shutout. I think it was like 5-0 in the fifth inning, and uh, I had uh, left a pitch over the plate, and uh, the guy hit a screamer right back at me and got me in the ribs, breaking, breaking a rib and severely giving me a severely bruised ribs with a hematoma. And uh, this bulldog didn't, didn't come out of the game. I stayed and uh, pitched a complete game with a broken rib and 11 strikeouts. So that's what I'm talking about, bulldog. I don't want to see anybody uh, laughing at me on the ground and carrying me off the field. That's just not going to happen. To get me off the diamond, to get me off the pitching mound, I got to be bleeding with a helicopter and an ambulance coming with IVs. Uh, other than that, you know, I've been hit so many times, and they're like laughing in a dugout, thinking, "Oh, he's out." You know, no, I've stayed in every time. I've never come out, and uh, I've had hematomas that last ten months. And you know, I pride myself on being a little bulldog, and uh, and I think you know. You gotta be a bulldog to win 396 games at five foot nine, throwing 82 miles an hour. At 50 plus. <laughs> yeah, 50 plus. <laughs> All right, and we, you know, uh, we talked about this. Uh, I lost you for a minute, but uh, you know, being a bulldog, not exactly just going out there and throwing fastballs. I, I think the best way to say it is going out and throwing your best pitch and knowing what your best pitch is. Um, if your best and your best pitch can be multiple pitches, it doesn't have to be one pitch. It can be a sequence of pitches. Uh, you know, uh, and that's one of the things that we were talking about. A bulldog doesn't care what he's going to throw. My number one objective is to get you out and to get you going back to the dugout, throwing f bombs left and right, and then throwing that piece of garbage wooden bat in the trash where it belongs you know and that's that's the way i look at it i get that a lot a lot i get guys cussing going back to the dugout throwing that bat in the trash can and they're like you know this guy's got me out three or four times in a row and i just can't figure him out when i do this he does this and a bulldog doesn't care what he does as long as he gets you out even if it's on a good curveball a three-two pitch or whatever, you know. Yeah, I agree. Agree. Awesome. Well, Rod, it was a pleasure. Um, it sounds like we're going to get some more awesome talk in. Um, you know, we'll we'll get all our connection issues figured out, and, and we'll definitely get some more videos out. I think there's a lot of information that you can bestow on some people, and uh, uh, for everybody viewing the video, go check out Rod's book, um, uh, Agent's Arm. Um, you can get it on Amazon. It, it helps him, supports him, and, and gets him going. You can check. Uh, uh, he's also on Facebook. Uh, very active social media guy. I'm excited for him at 50 plus. We'll, I'll, I'll help him out with some more things on there. We'll get some all kinds of stuff going. And and stuff uh, <laughs> so there. Yeah, you got stuff. I just want to thank the uh, Hotel St. Francis for a wonderful <laughs> evening and a, a wonderful chateau. Uh, experience and uh, you know again it's 1122 Mountain Standard Time and for love of the game we're still taking care of business. That's awesome, that's awesome. Alright Rod, well I appreciate it and uh, like I said everybody go check out uh, 
Rod's uh, book on agesarm.com or on Amazon. Rod, thanks again. We will definitely talk soon. We'll get some more stuff going. And uh, got anything, any last words, anything that you want to say? I appreciate you for what you've done for the game, and I appreciate your passion for the game, and I appreciate you having me as your first guest. And uh, I look forward to many more great memories on the, on the diamond with you, traveling around the world, playing this wonderful game that we love called baseball. All right, Rod, we'll appreciate it. I, I will uh, definitely talk to you. Thanks again. All right, buddy? All right.